Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Food Heals Podcast, episode 146. He was getting ready for bed and I said, oh, I have a surprise for you. He's sitting on the bed and I go in the bathroom and I decide I'm going to do a strip tease. I came out, I started taking my clothes off and suddenly he is just dying laughing. Like he is just rolling. I said, what is so funny? He goes, please stop. I go, why? I go, what's wrong? He goes, next time, take your socks off first. (laughs) Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Hills Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. 
Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today's guest is Leanne Linsky. Leanne is an actor, writer, comedian, and fellow podcaster might be one of Susie's besties. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thanks to two ex-husbands, she found her passion in comedy. We've all had a bad relationship or a bad breakup, but divorce is next level stressful. I, I haven't experienced it, but I can imagine. It's a time when you want some healthy outlets for the pain and heartache, like friends, family, counseling, or maybe a tub of ice cream. Tub of ice cream sometimes help. Mm-hmm. For Leanne, comedy was her saving grace. Humor allowed her to survive the tough times, rebuild her self-confidence, and improve relationships in all areas of her life. She created Life Laughter Divorce to help others through their own heartbreak. Her comedy classes for divorcees create a safe space where those experiencing or considering divorce can feel supported, make new friends, and let go of thoughts and negative patterns. Exactly what you need when you're going through a breakup. And I just have to say that it's life laughter like after divorce. That's right. It's a good play on words. (laughs) Next up, our interview with Leanne. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. So they used to tell us the second city, don't fuck up as like right before you did the scene <laughs> because it's that would to, throw it's, me off my game. Exactly. You can't tell our podcast but guests but, that. But for me, for someone like me who's a perfectionist who was always scared of improv to even do it. I'm scared of it too. It, that's why we're going to go do it. I know. Um, we keep talking about it. We need to go do it. <laughs> Maybe podcast during it. That'd um, be funny. It, it completely like would would get into that funny part of my brain where it's like, oh, yeah, this is improv. Who gives a shit? And then when you go see professionals do it, like people that are actually working actors and yeah. sometimes they suck. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's just improv. And it would put put you into that fun part of your brain. It's like, yeah, don't fuck up. Like I'm going to. And that's when when you embrace failing. That's when you can fly. When you don't care how it comes out is when brilliance happens. Exactly. So don't fuck up, Liam. Oh my god! I agree Why didn't with you, you? Where were you when I got married? God. <laughs> Why didn't someone say it then? Okay, perfect segue. I Look agree with you one hundred percent. Until you tell our guest, don't fuck up. I'm sorry, but she's my friend. Fine. I have known Leanne. We Fine. just were saying this. I think I've known you for seven years. Yeah, I think so. Six, seven, a summer, long time. Summer, yeah, a long time. I guess you had a pass then. Leanne and I met uh through a program a mark like a marketing program for artists and actors a teleclass a teleclass <laughs> and we we had accountability partners and so there's mm. a very homework heavy class and you had accountability partners that every day for six weeks you were supposed to check in and and talk about your progress or your pains <laughs> or whatever and we became friends over the phone and we were assigned as temporary partners and the next day she goes, okay, so now every day this week we're going to switch or whatever oh, it was. Right. And then we had talked to each other and then they switched our partners and we called each other the next day and we're like, I don't, I don't want to talk to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Remember that? that? And yeah. you're like, yeah, I talked to the new person and she was weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I forgot yeah. about that. And so then we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll just say partners. And then when the class ended, we were like, let this, this is good. This is good to have someone 
that knows what you're trying to accomplish and that keeps you honest like let's let's keep talking and then we just became friends and our and our friendship has kind of still been that kind of like okay here's the truth like this is what I hear from you this is what I'm mirroring back to you like girl you're good that you know yeah. we've been really supportive um we, we understand each other because we've had the same goals we've had the same like painful experiences oh and my gosh yeah. trials and tribulations and failures and <laughs> and we can call each other and go okay remember when this happened to you yeah it's happening to me now yeah. <laughs> like i know exactly. yeah. yeah and so it's this really unique relationship leanne has launched life laughter divorce the podcast which when i first heard she was doing that because it was an evolution it didn't start as a podcast First no it was a class right it's yep yeah, i started it i actually started life after divorce two years ago mm-hmm. and i started putting it together because i wanted to offer improv comedy classes for women experiencing divorce mm-hmm. because i know from my experience i didn't really want to go out and date but i wanted to do something different i wanted to have some fun but i didn't want it to be in a relationship and and so anyway I took the two things I knew best like divorce and comedy and and I thought why don't I marry them and offer it to other people going through the same thing and then I had my I started out doing a a workshop or two and all of a sudden life got lifey and I put it on hold and thought I need to regroup and kind of come back to this and now I came back to it starting off with a podcast and kind of offering a sense of community Mm -hmm. um more so than comedy, but more of a sense of, hey, look, there's a lot of people going through this and people are sharing their stories with me on the podcast. And so hopefully other people out there can say, oh my gosh, I can totally relate. That's my story too. And kind of have a sense like, you're okay. You're not crazy. You're not alone. Even though most, like what, half the population? More. Is, I think or, it's more. more it's than, like, it's yeah. slightly more than 50%. Isn't it's it? it's ridiculously high. You keep going. I'm and I thought, well, you know, offer a place of community. And then in June, I'm going to be launching my workshops and classes. And I'll actually have some in person and I will have some via webinar. So no matter where you are, you can connect and learn some improv. Well, I think that's really exciting. And I really appreciate you bringing people together through comedy because I do feel like Comedy is such a way for people to feel like they are not alone because most comedians are so self, self-deprecating. <laughs> they are telling stories of their real life. And you're like, yes, I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Whether it's stuck in traffic, whether it's divorce, whether it's loss, whatever it is, you can relate to that. And so I think that if we cannot laugh at our situations, and I know not at the beginning when you're first going through something, you cannot laugh at it. But later in life, most of the situations you can look back with love and laughter. And that is the goal, to look back at our pain with love and laughter. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Tragedy plus time equals comedy. Yeah. Yes. It's like Carol Burnett said that. I'm like, who said that? Someone That's profound. a famous. I need my laptop. Someone <laughs> needs to look that up. I'm like, who said that? <laughs> I think I've heard, it is Carol Burnett. I think so. I've heard it from, I've heard so many people say it. I'm not sure who said it first. Yeah. So what but, made you pair your, you know, tragedy with comedy? I think it was mostly my own experience. So after my second divorce, I remember laying fetal position on my bedroom floor <laughs> going, <laughs> what have I done? And oh. I thought, oh, God, I I need to make some serious changes. And I thought about all the time during my marriages where I wasn't really doing anything. You know, I was being married, not that I wasn't doing anything. I was doing, you know, married people stuff. I was having that kind of a life. And now I didn't have it anymore and 
I thought I need to make some major changes. What's the, what are all the things I ever wanted to do? And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. Cause I had been married since I was 22. So, yeah. you know, I hadn't. That dream- was your identity. Right. I hadn't uh, dreamed big dreams yet. So I thought, you know what, whenever somebody offers something to me, I'm just going to say yes to it. And so every love that. Yeah. And I started making a list. So like if anything popped in my mind, I'm just going to write it down and put it on my list of things to do. And I was like, like travel. I'm like, travel where? I don't know. Travel and stuff. So as friends and and other people would be like, hey, I'm going on this trip. Do you want to go? I'd say yes. And one day I went in uh, to work and I worked for a uh, home builder and I was down at the county office pulling permits. And I was talking to the girl that we pull our permits from and she goes, what's new? And I said, I'm going away on vacation. And she's like, where are you going? And I said, Europe. But I didn't know. I had no idea. She goes, well, where exactly? And I just blurted out Italy. And the next thing you knew, she's like, I'm coming too. And we planned the trip the next week. Wow. So I just started saying yes to everything. and, And at work, I had always been in charge of planning a lot of the company events and emceeing them and doing stuff like that. So I had a lot of stage time and I always kind of made jokes. It's part of where I grew up, (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. but I always, you know, joked around and had a sense of humor. And why am I talking with jazz hands right now? Yeah, I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) If you guys can see me, I I am like, (laughs) I am either doing stand up and you don't do this. I'm, I'm like, I'm tr- I'm like working air traffic control at the same time <laughs> that I'm talking. It's like and then this and I'm jazz hands. Well, I'm not filming, so um, no one. You're can storytelling. See. So so yeah, I was doing all this stuff on stage at work, and one of the city presidents that was training in our market said to me, "Hey, have you ever considered doing comedy and taking classes at Second City?" And I'm like, "What?" And he goes, yeah, and he pulls out a paper or something, or he told me, go look it up. Second City is doing train classes here in Vegas at the Flamingo. And his wife was an actress, and he was, he said that she had been taking classes with him and absolutely loved it. And I was like, you know, yes, I'm going to check that out. And the next thing you did, I went and picked up a local paper, and I found their ad. Like, I flipped it open, there it was. And I thought, this was meant to be, and I took a class. Aww. And I once I did, I was hooked. I'm like, this is fantastic. Why didn't I discover something that like this a long time ago? Why didn't I have some sort of outlet? Because it's scary. Yeah. It's terrifying. Improv can be terrifying and empowering at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. It can be. Because with improv, you don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. It's completely, everything is unexpected from the minute you walk and in And if you the try door. to control it, it fails. Exactly. Just like a marriage. I had to learn that the That's hard way. That's why I can't take it. Type, I can, type A control freaks. We're freaking freaks. doing it. I am taking you to UCB. I mean, I've done it, but I was You're probably gonna do it again. high school and college. And again. I haven't done it as an and adult. And again. Oh, You're going to do it as an adult. I'm scared. Going to do it. It's, you know, it's really no different than when you're a kid and you're playing exactly. imaginary yeah. games. That's yeah. all it is. Except you're an adult body with an adult mind that's been socialized and yep. told, don't look like an idiot. Don't fail. Yep. Don't fuck up. Yep. You're going to look stupid. No one's going to like you. You're not going to be funny. Yep. Uh, or maybe that's just my brain. No, nope, Susie, that was my brain too. <laughs> you'll Thank get, you for speaking for me. <laughs> you'll get to week six and you're like, I can't wait till we play that game where we all act like a crazy chicken, you know. And it's still, yeah, so. it's it's just like you, you know, when I was going through acting classes, when I, it was actually in college. It's really funny because, <laughs> what movie was this from? I think it was Grease. The rules are, there are no rules. <laughs> there are rules in improv, but it's really to get to that free place where you it looks like there are no rules. It looks effortless. It looks yeah. like you guys have scripted it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But there are certain rules that if you follow them, it'll work out. Not always. Sometimes you'll fail or flop or it won't be funny or whatever. But 
I was always used to kind of con- like for me, it was really to break past controlling the outcome, mm-hmm. you know, worrying about what it's going to look like or what people are going to think. Or are people going to laugh? Are people going to laugh? Are people going to like you? Right. Mm-hmm. And so yep. like as an actress, if I had a script, I didn't care about that because I know I could put having done commercial auditions, I could put emphasis into a one line trying to sell yogurt, which I have done. (laughs) I love how you said that, by the way. (laughs) I could sell yogurt. (laughs) I didn't get the job, but I remember watching the commercial afterwards. I'm like, oh, anyway. (laughs) But like, so that's okay. I didn't worry about it. It was a different kind of panic, literally panic. Like when I was in college, I remember this and our teacher's like, today, you know, we always did Ibsen and Shakespeare and all kinds of classical type stuff and then all of a sudden they're like we're gonna do improv but he didn't tell us how to do it he didn't explain the rules he's just like go do it and I of course failed I wasn't funny because I was terrified and it was just a class of my peers Mm -hmm. being in New York um, having gone through other acting classes it's like but years later where I was like I'm kind of being honest with myself like I'm weak in this area I don't really know how to do it and it terrifies me that probably means I should go do it. And I took the leap and I went to go, I was like, I should go study at Second City. And the week my class was supposed to start, we got a snowstorm. And so I still took the train. You know what I'm talking about from Astoria, <laughs> the end of the end, yep, all the Mars. way down to the village in Manhattan in a snowstorm. Nice. And I get there and there's a sign on the door, class is canceled. And I was pissed. I was so pissed. I was like, motherfucker, they couldn't call me? I just took an hour and a half. I don't know, hour, hour and a half because of the... From Astoria, yeah. Did you get the email on the way home? Eventually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I was pissed. I was like, fuck them. I'm not... (laughs) I want my money back. Then it took me another year until I moved out to LA and I studied with the Groundlings and that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And then... Thereafter, I was like, oh, I want to check out other schools. I went to, I went to Second City and fell in love with it. Yeah. Fell in love with it. And I had to completely accept that I was going to look like a jerk. Yeah. That I was, and that's mm-hmm. where that whole thing of like, don't fuck up. Where, where my, <laughs> my favorite, first, my first teacher yep. was just so awesome because he was so playful. And he just trying to remind us like, this is fun. This is fun, people. If you let it be, do not get in your head. Do not try to control this. The magic is in not knowing. And for me, realizing later in life that it was very type A, I was like, oh, my God, it was so liberating. Yeah. I had a few teachers that said, Dad, don't fuck up. But I also had a teacher that I absolutely loved. Um, He'd he'd have us doing some crazy activity and we all had to beat animals and stuff. And he'd see that not everybody's totally committed. He's like, does it feel weird? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, does it feel gay? Like, yeah. He goes, if it feels gay, do it more. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, he was gay. That made sense. But but I love that. And I always think of that uh, to this day when I do stuff. But yeah, it's what I loved about it was that it was taking risk in a safe place. Yeah. It was always a safe place because one of the keys to doing improv is it's not about me. It's not about making myself look great, which is what stand-up is. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's for a difference sure. as a solo And that's why when show. you fail at stand-up, it's, it's horribly it's horrifying. painful yeah. for the one person, I would imagine. I wouldn't know. Are you guys watching You wouldn't Crash? know. You're no. brilliant. Yeah. She's actually really phenomenal. No. And, I'm, and I'm a stand-up fiend. Are you guys watching Crashing? Yes. Yes. It is so funny. It is yes. very funny. I okay. love that. I love being able to see places that I've performed at and people I know and... Have you performed at that place in Manhattan? At Grizzly Pear, I have. Mm-hmm. Oh, Did you have to stand outside barking and ask people to come in? Yes. 
So that's a real thing. Yes, okay, that's so, a real thing. So in the show, the comedian who's not very good and just Pete got Holmes. divorced, yes, um, or is in the process of divorce, Pete Holmes stands outside, and in order to perform, he has to stand out there and give away a certain amount of tickets to get people in the door to yes. get paying customers buying drinks in order to perform. So how realistic is that to real life? Very real. Wow. Yeah, that is. That's how you start. Do that. Yeah, people do that. And especially in a lot of the comedy clubs, they have people standing out, you know, in Times Square selling tickets to get people to come in. And if they get so many people coming in with a ticket with their name on it, they get so many minutes of stage time. Okay, I'm going to start taking the flyers and I'm going to go in for these people because I didn't really realize that until I saw the show. Yeah, that's what it is. And at the Grizzly Pair specifically, I was doing a show and one of the nights I was supposed to be doing it, there were a few of us comics already there and we're waiting, you know, and they always start like shows typically start 20 minutes or so late and everything Mm and in the grizzly pair is a bar and it's very popular it's down in the village and and people are sitting in there one of the guys comes up he's like yeah we can't get anybody to come in and we all go and we're ready for the show we're in the back room you know where they put it on nobody's back there he's like i I, you know what i'm just gonna have to cancel it i just don't i i just can't do this you know i've been staying out there barking all night and nobody's no takers and I said, well, let's do the show anyway, you know. And the one girl was going to do the hosting. She's like, I don't want to host. And I go, I'll host. That's fine. And he goes, well, maybe you should go get some people. I said, sure, I'll go out to the bar. So I went to the bar and I started talking to some guys at the bar. I said, come on in. They, they came on in and they brought their friends pretty soon. There's like 10 people or whatever in there. Great. So that night I'm hosting the show and all the comics are coming up. A few more people straggle in. And at the end of the show, I'm wrapping up. And who's in the back is... Uh, Tracy Morgan. No way. Yeah, and um, that's cool. And Artie Fuqua, and they're back there. You know, it's, it ended up being a really fun show with really good comics, and we ended up having an audience. But that is the thing: is you never know who's going to show up at this stuff, and you have to work hard to get people to come in and sit down and and listen to your jokes. <laughs> so that's that's the trick. I love that about um, the comedy shows because I know, like, a comedy store right down the street. You never know who's going to show up. Like Seinfeld will show up to do a set. Louis C.K. will show up to do a set. Like all these crazy, famous, amazing mm-hmm. people. And they'll be doing a set with the beginners. Yeah. You know, it's great. Like yeah. you just never know. Oh, by the way, I have bombed before. <laughs> Not when In case I you weren't, you weren't sure if I was joking. Everybody has. I know. I know. Lots of times. That's why I give you so much respect. Because I love, love, love stand-up comedy. I love watching it. I love going to see it. I love paying for my two drink minimum. Yeah, <laughs> because I think it's minimum. awesome, even when it's shitty. Because I think it's re- I think it's the bravest type of performance art, barring like su- something super weird that someone creates. Like I think it's like putting yourself out there and trying to be witty, trying to be funny, trying to make people laugh is like so noble, right? And at the same time, probably terrifying when yeah. you're first starting out. I know for myself, like. I've thought about it and I was like, oh, that would be really fun. And I was like, fuck no. Like that seems terrible. Like if I fail, when I fail, because everybody's got to, you got to fail before you fly. Right. And I was just like, nah, I don't need that. I'll just stick with my improv. That's enough. Or sketch. I think that anybody ever that ever does it. And that's why I love your life laughter divorce. I think that's just so great because this world needs to laugh more. We need to laugh at ourselves. And if you're creating that sense of comedy and community and it's healing through laughter, you know, you can heal through crying and you can heal through laughter. And sometimes both are necessary, one or the other. But I just, I think it's so brilliant. Thanks. So. I applaud. Thank I applaud you. you. Thanks. Um, I think it's interesting, too, because when I originally started talking to people, you know, I've been interviewing a lot of comics. 
And what I've noticed is in talking to them, see, my experience is my whole set is based off of the, the, can I swear? Yeah. You can fucking say whatever you want. So based (laughs) off the really shitty, shitty decisions I've made in my life and choices (laughs) and marriages and whatnot, um, that's where my comedy comes from. So that's what I talk about, you know, the things that hurt the most. But what I'm also learning by doing these interviews is that that's not always the case. And even though I'm interviewing comics, they're really kind of serious about a lot of their experience with divorce. Like it's not funny and they don't talk about it in their set. Or when they do talk about it, they still... So that just means they just haven't had enough time. I looked up that quote, and there's a bunch of people that have said it. Yeah. You know, but Carol Burnett, Steve Allen, Woody Allen have all attributed... Have all been attributed some sort of version of that, is that comedy is tragedy over time. Mm -hmm. So maybe they just haven't had enough time. Yeah. Because I truly believe in the world of comedy, there is nothing that you can't talk talk about. about. Agreed. I agree. Because if there's anything that you're going to be like, no, you can't talk about that. or You can't make fun of that. Well, then you're really not getting the point. Because being human can be painful. Comedy is truth. And so the best comedy shows or what have you, or even if it's in a movie, is when the comedy is based on something so real and so true that the viewer or the you know audience member can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. And so like you're doing divorce. Mm Mm-hmm. That is what percent of the population did we find out? Did we look it up? I got varying statistics. Yeah. We're just going to stick at 50. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're all over the board. It depends on your age. It depends on the state. I don't know. Okay, we don't know what it is. We don't care. But if, if a large part of the population, of the adult population, is divorced, then you have a huge audience of people that need to heal and talk about this, right? Yep. So how is improv, how is comedy, like therapy? Like how does it help us heal? Well, what I've heard so many times is that they've done studies. When you're laughing, you can't feel pain. Yes. And you're sending serotonin to your brain. You release the endorphins. Serotonin is one of them. And it's a pain reliever, literally a physical pain Mm -hmm. reliever. And it lightens your mood Mm -hmm. and makes you happier. And it makes you happy. So when you're laughing, you can't be sad Mm -hmm. because your brain doesn't allow it. So it gives you some relief. The other thing I just heard about the other day, in fact, was a study that they did about people playing. And I thought this was fascinating. Uh, they did a study about with, with burn victims, third degree burn victims, because third degree burns are actually the worst pain that a human being can ever feel. Oh, mm. God. Okay. So, so it's not divorce, contrary to my belief. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> You can all just take a deep breath. It's actually third degree burn. So um, you can always set your spouse on fire. But (laughs) that is an option. There is that. Uh, But but this is a thing. So what they did is a study with people who had who were suffering from third degree burns. And they gave some people in the study morphine to take care of their pain. I have a feeling I know where this is going. And then they had the other half of the group play Tetris. Remember that game, yeah. the video game? They Tetris. had them play Tetris. And the people who had to focus on playing the game Tetris actually felt better than the people with, who, morphine. with morphine. Yes. Wow. Because when you're playing, your mind is stimulated. actively stimulated yeah. with pleasure, you know, yeah. with arousal, with yeah. challenge and things like that. And it takes the pain away. Yeah. You know, and, and hearing about this the other day, I'm like, that's exactly what happens when you're improvising. You're using that other part of your brain where you're using your imagination mm-hmm. and you're having fun. You're allowing yourself to play. Yeah. And in doing so, it's hard to be 
unhappy. Yeah. So when I use improv to teach comedy, I'm focusing on go ahead and talk about your divorce, but I'm encouraging you to use these tools. I'm giving you the toys. <laughs> that sounds creepy. Um, I'm giving you the toys <laughs> in, to play with so that you can have fun with this and whatever topic that you pick. Mm-hmm. And and I found for myself, the more I played and had fun learning improv, that it became easier. And it goes back to remember when I said, I was like, I'm going to say yes to everything mm-hmm. that comes up and start mm-hmm. traveling and stuff. Well, the first rule of improv is to say yes. And then you say and. Yes, and. Yes, and. So, I do know that. So when you're going through divorce <laughs> and people want to bring up this topic and they go, oh my gosh, what happened? They tell you some, you know, their assumption of what happened. I would just start agreeing with them. Whatever crazy thing that they chalked my divorce as to being bot like or whatever it was, I'd just be like, yeah, and. And I'd add some ridiculous story to it and they're like are you serious and I'd laugh I go of course not (laughs) (laughs) and then the subject would change and I was off the hook and it just I found it to be such a was that like a specific I you've mentioned that before was that like a specific thing that you had to deal with it was this like kind of pity party that people would be like oh I heard about your what happened I'm so sorry did is that was that something like that you had to deal with over and over again it wasn't so much a pity party as it was my my second husband and I had worked together for years Um. and so when I went into he was not working there anymore when we went through divorce but when I went into work and they all knew about it I felt like, and they probably weren't doing this, but in my mind, they were gossiping. <laughs> and they're like, so what happened? You know? <laughs> like By the water cooler? Yeah. yeah. You know, it was water cooler talk for everybody. And uh, that's how I felt. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll give you something Maybe to talk about. Maybe it was a about. down season of whatever episodes they were watching and they need something to talk about. Yeah, I'm sure. So, but in my mind, you know, when you're going through stuff like that, I think we, we tend to be a bit raw. I found myself to be real sensitive to to things and And this is your second divorce yeah and I thought well I don't really my first divorce I felt like I talked a lot and so people saw me coming and they're like hide your shield (laughs) I don't want to talk about it anymore she's gonna tell me some look busy yeah right like oh someone call me anybody call me um How come I walk into the office and everybody's on a phone for two hours? I don't know. Uh, so I, I wanted to do the opposite, and I thought I would be I would be handle this much better, and I'm not gonna, you know, spin stories, and I'm just gonna deflect. And I had a core group of people that I would talk to, and everybody else would get some line of shit, and and I had fun with it that way. Then it became a game. Yeah, you know, and that was much more. Uh, cathartic for me too because the more I say something the more I believe it Mm. so the easier it became to deal with because as people you know as I started to make jokes about it I kind of had that in my back pocket you know I had these crazy comebacks but every time I said it's like affirmations or something you know it's like if you if you start looking in the mirror and telling yourself you're beautiful you know clearly in 10 days you are (laughs) um it it was kind of the same thing Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so I I did that and I just found wow that that was so much easier to work with than, than uh, feeling sorry for myself and keep spinning over the same stories, you know, that made me feel bad. Because anytime when our when we ask ourselves a question, if we ask the right question, we get the right answer. So with any question, your brain automatically goes to answer it. So if I say, oh, my God, why me? Why does everything I do suck? Why is he leaving me? Why is he cheating? My way is this. My brain's automatically going to tell me all the answers to that. Like, well, because you're ugly and because you're... 
you know, you're this and, you know, you, you walk stupid and you nag too much and, you know, you don't make the bed right and whatever. But if I ask myself the right question, your bed, it's, it's made very well. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. My mother trained me well. (laughs) (laughs) She, she did. Uh, (laughs) Mom, I know you listen. My mom reviews my podcast each week too, by the way. Yeah. I kind of want, I want to ask her permission if I can start a blog, but here's my mom's reviews of my blog. You should read them on the podcast. Yeah. Right. That'd be really fun. They're, they're, does she give you helpful suggestions? Does she tell you what you should do? She tells me, she tells me, well, here's what I think about him and what he's learned or this person and (laughs) yeah and stuff like that and then she's like you know this person sounds really strong and then I love the one though my favorite was where she wrote the entire email and the subject line (laughs) 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 like nothing made me laugh harder when that I was like that's my mother I love it god bless her uh yeah but going back to the other question, if I ask myself the positive question, like, how can I be so strong? Why am I such a strong woman? Why am I making this such a great experience? Well, that is something we learned from Dallas. Yes. Okay, so in this class that we took, Remember this teleclass, yes. she, uh, one of her techniques was, yes, use affirmations, but then if you give your mind a question, it will immediately give an answer no matter what. And it is actually very true. Yeah. So instead, affirmations, <clears throat> for me, they did not work because... Because um, your ego takes over and it says, well, here's be- the because truth. also like you're denying your reality. So if you're saying, I am wealthy, I am abundant, I have, a, let's just take that as an example because I think that everybody wants more money, right? I have a lot of money. I have X amount of dollars in the bank and you, you can change it however you want. I say all that, but that's part of my comedy set. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that over and over and over again, but there is a part of your brain, if you are smart enough and tapped in your own reality and you look at your checking account online, you're like, it's not true. It's not true. Like right now, in this moment, I do not have, but I don't feel abundant. I, I, can, I can keep saying Susie it. Susie is the fact checker of affirmation. <laughs> like, like, it didn't work for me. Like you have the little ticker thing under it. your bathroom mirror that's no. like fact check. No. I tried it. I really did try it. I put the damn post-it notes on my computer. I put them on my mirrors. I kept saying them. I would record them in my voice memo. I tried the affirmations. They did not work because my brain was just like... Okay, yeah, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it was just, yeah. it didn't work. When I tried this technique of going, when did I get so much money? Or when did I find extra money? Or how did my bank account become bigger? When I started putting it into a question, my brain, it was a trick. It was like, oh, yeah, well, I don't know. When did, when did that happen? That's a good question. Like, yeah, uh, it, cha- it's, it spun it on its head. Right. So that, that little... Mm-hmm. I have a little troll that lives in my brain and he is a nasty little bugger and he likes to be negative and he likes to point out my quote unquote reality. It's called the ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a name. Well, <laughs> I think he's a troll. But when I put it into a question, he didn't have the opportunity to shit on my affirmation. Right. He had to like answer the question and he did. And Somehow it- I got a really ugly visual on that. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> so sorry. So sorry. I did too. <laughs> But but it's true as a technique. If anyone, if anyone, okay, I'm just going to talk to our listeners because Allison and Leanne are just making fun of me. But if anyone of our no. listeners has used affirmations and they don't work, put it into a question. It actually really does help. It really does. Yeah. yeah. Or the other thing is to say, in the past, up until now, this was the case. But now, moving forward, this is. The but case. that's not an affirmation. Well, it is an affirmation if you say it in such a way. So and if well, but also if you, but when is the past? 
what? Okay, don't get too philosophical on me and let no. me tell me tell you my point. Okay. Okay. So if I am in the present right now and I say I don't have a lot of money, right? right That's right. a negative affirmation. Right. But if I say in the past up until now, I didn't have a lot of money. Oh, up until now, yeah. That's okay. a positive affirmation because now I have it. Okay. And so that's throwing it into the future. And so Every time I was in grad school, I would just be having a conversation and we had to reframe every single sentence. Up until now, I felt this way. Up Did that work? In the past, up and yes, it's very powerful. When you reframe your now, your present moment, which is also our future, which is, you know, our now is our future. It's all the same because right now I'm talking and now it's a new moment as soon as I said in my new sentence. Right. So when we reframe it and we say up until this moment right now, this was my past, but it does not have to be my present or my future. Right. So that's retraining the brain. That's retraining the cells. But I do like the posing it as a question the way you did. Like, when did that happen? Because that's really great. That's a great way to look at it. It too. interrupts that negative, doubtful. No, it's not. No, it didn't. No, you're uh-uh. not. Uh-uh. Yeah. yeah it, interrupt, it, it interrupts that and it kind of makes it go, you know, it's that part of the brain. I don't know. I don't know what part of the brain that is. It's where the troll is. Yeah, that's the troll. It's under the bridge. I love yes. how Susie's is a troll. It's the troll. He's a troll. Uh, he's a boy. He's it's a, a man. Why is it a man? That's interesting. I don't know. Hmm. His part of the brain is the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. No, he's under a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. I watched a lot of Wizard of Oz. <laughs> ah. <laughs> a lot flying of flying monkeys. monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those little lollipop kids. Oh, boy. They weren't kids. They were fully grown. Yeah, right. they were fully grown Well, adults. this is true. But the in Lollipop my, Guild. The, yes, them. I was just doing... <laughs> I did that. I, I did. I, that's what I said. Yeah. No. The Guild. Uh, the Guild. I just did their dance the other night for the boyfriend. Okay. Uh, I, wait. Added. I have a question, Allie. Any silly things you've ever done yeah. for your boyfriend slash who's band? I, I have another one. Oh, and okay. And it has to do with dancing. So my first husband and I, uh, we had... We had just gotten married, <laughs> and <laughs> and so I don't know. I was I was I was young. I was a young hot thing, or so I thought. Not really. I was twenty two, and we were home what one girl night. Isn't young and hot at twenty two? I agree. Well, let me explain. So <laughs> so I, he was getting ready for bed, and I said, "Oh, I have a surprise for you," and he was like, "Oh," and so he's sitting on the bed, and I go in the bathroom. And I decide I'm going to do a strip tease. So I come out and I, you know, I do the thing where you put one arm out and I'm doing the music, you know, da, 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 myself. I didn't have music playing. It was just me doing (laughs) You were humming music. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I was doing that. Your one woman show. Oh, yeah. Um, This is my first one woman show and it was a hit. I came out. (laughs) I did my own music. My own lighting, the whole thing, <laughs> wardrobe. I started taking my clothes off, and suddenly he is just dying laughing. Like, he is just rolling. I said, what is so funny? He goes, please stop. He goes, oh. I go, why? I go, what's wrong? He goes, next time, take your socks off first. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of that. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's pretty fucking funny. Okay, Leanne, let's take it back. Yeah. Can you tell us, because you have referred to your your experiences and your two husbands and your two divorces, can you take it back and tell us, like, where your mind was at, what you were doing, like, what is your life story that led you to where you are now? Um, I actually moved, I, I did grow up in the Chicago area, and then I transferred to UNLV, 
uh, when I was in my junior, so for my junior and senior year. So I, I moved to Vegas when I was 20. Wow. Yeah. What a I place to live. I can't imagine living in Vegas in my 20s. Oh my God. It was amazing. Sounds like bad news. I feel like I would have been married and divorced way more times than you have been. I mean, yeah. So good job. Thank you. <laughs> I should be on like three or four at least. But, yeah, yeah. I thought I lived up to my, my potential there. Uh, so yeah, I, I moved to Vegas when I was 20 and after I graduated college or when I was in college is when I met my first husband and he wasn't, and the thing was, is he wasn't going to college. He was just hanging out in our dorm. <laughs> <laughs> we had those and you thought they were like the older college guys and they weren't, No, they weren't the seniors. No, they, they weren't even educated. So <laughs> no, <laughs> he was, uh, he was from Colorado. Anyway, he had just moved to Vegas, him and his cousin. So they were like these cool guys. And fast forward, um, at my senior year, we moved off. I moved off campus with a friend of mine and we were roommates. And before she showed up, I, I went, I arrived back out there early to move in because I was taking some summer classes and she wasn't coming until the fall. And she said, hey, go hang out with, you know, these guys. And I was like, oh, I don't really know them. I'll wait till you get here. They're your friends. She's like, no, no, go hang out with them. So I go hang out with them. And next thing you know, we're connecting. But I'm like, I think my roommate has a crush on you. And he's like, yeah, but I've already told her, like, I'm not interested. I'm like, yeah, that's not right. And so I don't think I should go out with you, you know. So we all hung out in groups and stuff. But I'm like, yeah, that no, no, not going to happen. Okay. And then when she came rolling into town, and we all hung out. She's like, what's going on with you two? And I was like, well, nothing. I told him, you know, and she didn't believe me. Fast forward a few months. She hates me because she thinks something's up. Nothing was up. I was like, I'm telling you nothing's happening. I can't control the way he feels. I'm just hanging out with you guys. And that's it. I haven't been acted on it. Well, we ended up getting married. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> hey, how, how, when? How much? Uh, let's see. I probably ended up dating him like a few months later because she was being such a bitch about the whole thing. Like she was just hating me. So I was like, well, you know, if I'm going to do the crime, I may as well do the time. So I started going out with him and it became serious. And we got married like a year and a half to two years after dating. How old were you? I was 22 when we got married. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know. I think about it. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> he was like my first real boyfriend, you know? Like I get it. I remember super serious boyfriend that I had, and and I, I remember my first real boyfriend in college. I thought I one hundred percent thought I was marrying him. One hundred. I thought I was going to marry my high school boyfriend, so we were in love. Because exactly, it's your first love. You don't see anything. You haven't experienced life yet. Yeah. You know, I get it. No, I hadn't. I hadn't like done a lingery dance or anything <laughs> you hadn't twerked yet <laughs> I hadn't twerked <laughs> twerking wasn't anywhere. even a thing heck oh, thank I don't God. I don't even think we had home computer no we had home computers <laughs> we had twerking it just wasn't called twerking yeah it was just shaking that booty <laughs> right <laughs> it was very specific have you ever twerked no I can't twerk Susie. yeah exactly I haven't either it's very specific but I've shaked that booty uh, it of is course a, you have okay tell me this like ass cheek slapping it's not hot it's not it kind of looks like you're having sex but with your clothes on and with nobody yeah no yeah. it is yeah. like when you yeah. okay we're, well, we're gonna go there like when you see like pseudo sex scenes in a lot of shows nowadays it's very very fast and I'm just like who does that? Who does that? What woman enjoys that? I don't. I wouldn't enjoy that. Like, what? Why are they slow down? Yeah, like, what are you no. doing? If I wanted a jackhammer. No. I'd get into construction. And I blame the poor. 
You just the one-liners are just zipping. I love them. You em. ladies bring it out. I love them. You bring it out. Two Com- drink minimum, Allie. Comedy. <laughs> Tip heels. your waitresses, Roxy. Um, <laughs> I just made Roxy laugh. Roxy, are you enjoying this? Very much. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I no, I who I no. I've been to tantra classes. It's all about slowing down, at least to yeah. increase pleasure. It's not about speeding up. Okay, but let's continue your story. All right, back to that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That. Yeah, so we ended up getting married and... uh, At 22. At 22. It's right before my 23rd birthday. Always a good choice. Yeah. And we did that. And so we... She's my friend. I can say that. Yeah. uh, I know. I'm like, Susie is being way too hard on our guests, but it's her friend. No. Food Hills Nation forgives you. No. No. I don't think anybody should get married at that age. No. No. Do do you know like how can you know yourself? Yeah, That's I don't. Just my opinion. It, I it's could, a. I think back. I'm like, boy, I had no. I was clueless. You know, yeah. I hadn't done anything with yeah, my life. I was clueless at that time too. Absolutely. And, I mean, not that I know much more today, but at least I've <laughs> you done absolutely some do. You know, it, well, well, it's funny because I did this, and I we were married for two years. I think our first year we went and we bought a house. You know, we decided mm-hmm. to save a lot of money and not mm-hmm. go crazy on a wedding and a ring and all that kind of stuff. Good thing. But mm-hmm. we bought a house and that was pretty cool. I mean, that was That's... an achievement by the age of 23 owning a home. Oh, yeah. You know, and then by the age of 24, 25, I was moving out of it. <laughs> then, you know, and then I married the next guy I dated. And I thought, oh, he's a totally I did not person. know this backstory. Yeah. Okay. I met the very next person that I dated. And let me ask you, just go back really quick. When you were divorcing the first um, person, how was your emotional mental state? Were you like a mess? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I was I felt like a failure. I um, even went and talked to a priest because I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I'm having all these thoughts like I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Like I'm ashamed, like I'm doing something wrong and um and he's like, well, don't do not do that. <laughs> I swear to God, that was his reaction. I was like, okay, you weren't helpful. And you seem to be like really you know, uncomfortable I have this conversation. Gone, I'm also raised Catholic. And yeah. I've gone to once in my life when I was on the – I got mugged at gunpoint in college. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. Yeah, at Berkeley. And I was terrified. And I couldn't sleep. And I was like walking – and I was in, I was in rehearsal for a play – like, otherwise, I would have just gone on a plane and gone home to New York. And my director was like, you can't leave. Was it on campus? It was right off of campus. So Berkeley oh has, God. like, a big rectangle campus. Mm-hmm. And it's very close to Oakland. And I was moving. So I just gotten back from Europe. And I was studying abroad. And I came home. And I needed an interim place to live until my fall place came. Because I was taking a summer class. Because I failed my first class. To add insult to injury. But I was in a play. I was a lead in a play. <laughs> Yay. And, Amazing. Um, I was being a silly young person and was moving in the middle of the night into an area that I actually didn't know very well because it was kind of removed and I got mugged at gunpoint. They didn't get anything, but it scared the, sh- the crap yeah. out of me. I mean, and that's so traumatic. It was so traumatic. And I couldn't sleep. And I was walking around in a daze and I was like, I'm going to go to church. And I just went into the campus Catholic church because we had many and just sat there and I was bawling. And someone Aww. someone came over and was like, do you need to speak to someone? <laughs> yeah. And they brought me in and I sat with a priest and 
He wasn't helpful at all. No, he, he, was, <laughs> he was kind. And yeah. he was an ear and a, and a human being in a moment of crises for me. But like, he just did not say the right things. Like, I was just a mess. I was traumatized. And he just, it was a start, right? It was nice of him to spend the time with me. But it, like, at that point, I was like, dude, I need a hug. Yeah. Like, I know you don't know me. But I'm a I'm a Catholic girl. I need a freaking hug. Like it was it was it didn't help. So anyway, back to you. So he just uh, yeah, it was the same kind of thing. Same kind of thing, you know. And it was a you know you're you're there. You're at a church. You're waiting for that. Oh, you know, <laughs> like, help me. And it just it wasn't. I went. I was so disappointed when I left. I'm like, oh, I was just even more frustrated. I Did think. you feel despondent because? Because when you think about institutions like that, like big religious institutions, and and, and priests or rabbis or whoever holds those kind of positions like you would think that they would have like magic words Mm -hmm. or they'd have some sort of training godly (laughs) or some sort of training yeah to make you at least to give you some sort of comfort Comfort. and and there just wasn't I found none I felt it was very cold and it was I was surprised and very disappointed and I didn't know what else to do and I ended up finding a marital counselor Mm -hmm. and my first husband you know he went with me he didn't want to go I don't think most men want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lined it up and he went, but he got frustrated. So we went and then, well, he was like not happy that he was going to that. And so the second time we went, we went back and he walked out. He wow. got mad and walked out. And part of me was devastated and the other part of me was relieved. Like, okay, well, the decision was made for me mm. kind of thing. Right. And now that's off me, but the other part of me was like, is this really what I want? And I really Mm -hmm. wasn't sure that's what I wanted. So that's what it ended up being. And and the thing is, to this day, I believe that had he said, I want to work this out, I want you back, I would have absolutely stayed and would have tried. But he never said that. Mm. You guys were young. How old was he? He was only a year older than me. You guys were so young. So young. And he was doing stuff like he was pursuing his own career and he was super excited about it. And I wasn't at that place in my life. I was like, let's honeymoon. Let's, you know, have kids. Let's Let's, nest. Yeah. And he wasn't that. He was like, no, this part's done. Now I'm moving on to this thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, what? And being as this was my first real relationship. Yeah. And I had never lived with anybody. You know, all that stuff. uh, This was so new to me. and, And I felt really lonely. In a place where you really shouldn't feel lonely. So, yeah. In Vegas? <laughs> in a marriage. <laughs> so, I, so I, I, you know, divorced. We divorced. It was over quickly. You know, it cost 500 bucks because we didn't have much to split. So, you know, when I looked up that, I was trying to look up that divorce statistic. Yeah. The first two or three ads or, or websites Cheap. even were like, Five ninety nine divorce. Yeah, you know? yeah that's if like, you have to do the paperwork yourself. Yeah, <laughs> this was an actual attorney who I used again for my second divorce. Did you really? Yes, did I did. They give you a second time coupon? No, he doubled his price. Fucker. That's oh. what I said. I go, what's the deal? I go, it was half the price last time. He goes, what do you mean? What's the deal? Obviously, you didn't learn your lesson. He goes, oh. he said, yeah, and then he sold me his washer and dryer. <laughs> This guy's a salesman through and through. But, you know, a thousand bucks still wasn't a bad deal. No. You know, it's over in two weeks. So. Wait. 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 In California, it takes at least six months. months. Is this in Vegas? This is in Vegas. Both of them were? Yeah. Yeah, we were married in Vegas. So the lesson is, if you're going to do a, if you don't Mm -hmm. know your spouse very well, do it in Nevada. 
Absolutely. Because you can dissolve it really fast. Just <laughs> yes. as fast as you had it. Yeah, like a Britney Spears. I was about to say that. Yep. Britney did it. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> doing it, you guys. Come on. Do it. Do it. <laughs> but I am surprised that living in Vegas at a young age, you didn't get married like 10 more times. Because I feel like everyone just gets drunk and gets married. Well, but yeah, yeah but I mean, once you go through it, I wish I would have been drunk. It would have been more fun. <laughs> No, no, I was completely sober. Yeah, you know. It, so what's what's the let's delve into it, Leanne. Let's get in the yeah. grit. Like what what was like the what's the deep part of it that was so painful? I think the the deep part of it that was painful for me is I trusted this person. Like, yeah. how can you go from having so much trust in one person in your life that you go from not ever wanting to spend another day without them to can't get out of there fast enough (laughs) you know how does that happen and I think that is the most disappointing and devastating part of it is how could I have loved somebody so much and then suddenly everything's upside down Mm -hmm. how does it get that way We're, we're flipping the institution of marriage really on its head because for many many generations before us it was not about love it was about property transfer or security or being able to carry on the family farm. The or, right family. And it didn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with romantic love versus now when it's like we got this fantasy and, and oh, you, Disney. you complete me, Disney. Yeah. Thank you, Disney. Thank yes. you, Disney. And you can, Jerry Maguire, you complete <laughs> me. And when the reality is, it's like that's all beautiful and gorgeous, but what, it, what does that mean? What does that transfer day to day? What, how does it mean, like, who's going to do the dishes and take out the garbage or pay the bills and et cetera, and raise the kids, et cetera, et cetera. Real life how shit. Do, and how do you maintain that sort of, even if you do have that magical romantic connection, which we've all experienced, yeah. hopefully, um, where ha- you know, it, I feel like it's that juxtaposition of those two things. Yeah. Talking to so many people that have gone through divorce, the boyfriend and I have actually had a lot of conversations about this, and we did some research. And what we found was that studies show that it's not the deep, meaningful conversations that you have with someone late at night for a couple of hours that brings you close together. It's the little things. It's going to the grocery store. It's taking out the garbage. It's taking out the trash. Yeah, All of these little things that really bond people more than anything else. And you know what I've learned that I think is so important is learning the other person's and your own love language. So for mm-hmm. us... Me doing something for him, such as, like you said, taking out the trash or doing the dishes, is me showing my love to him. But for me, that's just a waste of time if he's home that we could spend cuddling and hanging out. Right. And that's my love language. And so I didn't know any of this. And I'm married and I'm still figuring it out, right? We love each other, but there's been differences in fights, you know? And so as we've grown to know what is important to the other person, we then can act in such a way to give them the love that they need. And so for me, I need him to kiss me when he gets home. I need him to cuddle me and talk to me and ask me how my day was. He needs me to do little things that show him that I care about when he comes home and not in a patriarchal... Like a martini and slippers? I can do that. Like a sexy dance with your socks on. She yeah. can definitely yeah. do that. <laughs> little twerk. Little session. twerking with her socks on. Yeah. <laughs> While holding a martini and his slippers in her teeth. That's a lot. I know that's yeah. a lot. Girls, you don't even know what I do. 
Also, that's a different podcast. That's a different she's podcast. And a lot more she's alcohol. A lot more wine. And a lot yeah. more alcohol. Yes. And I will tell you. But I feel like learning the love languages and learning what people need is so important because if you don't understand that, sometimes we don't even know what we need and what's important it's true. to us. It's true. And that- Have you taken the love language quiz? No. Okay, so I first learned about this. I haven't read the book yet, and I have to because I think it's very important. You guys, the book you can read in like an hour and a half. It's so short. I read I it on really? the plane. It's amazing and short. So I first learned about it last summer mm-hmm. and took the quiz yeah. to find your love language. Yeah. And it's very it's very interesting. So I've taken being having studied psychology, I've taken a lot of psychological personality quizzes, right? Like they rephrase the questions over and over again in a different way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I just answered this, but it's kind of slightly different. And sometimes you'll answer it a little bit differently but it's trying to ascertain like what's more important to you in terms of how you view being loved right and so it's sometimes it's gifts sometimes it's physical words of affirmation words of affirmation Uh service and i forget the fifth one do you remember the the fifth one paying my rent (laughs) (laughs) but there are five and i and i remember when i Got, and I did it again because I did it last summer. And then I and I recently, because you mentioned it to me, Allie. Yeah. I did it again. I was like, oh, what's, what is my love language? And I did it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I get it. No, but oh, it's so important because what happens is, is we do our own lang- love language to the person. Right. But yes. they don't necessarily receive it because they have a, if they have a different love language. So I have, everyone has two. You have a primary and a secondary. And Dan, my husband, has a primary and a secondary. And ours are completely different. So we have to realize that the way for us to love each other best is to give them what they want. So mine are quality time and physical touch. His are acts of service and words of affirmation. Those are two different things. Do you know Mm -hmm. what my number one was? What? Gifts. Gifts. (laughs) No. And I was like, what? I'm not. Oh. Yes, I am. No, it's sound. You got to read the Roxy's book. Roxy's laughing again. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean diamonds and rose. It means like acts of giving of themselves. No, it's definitely or giving them a. It's something. definitely gifts. And let me let, let's talk about this because yeah. this is really interesting to me. Because when I growing up, my mother was a beautiful woman. She's no longer here. She was bubbly and. Love to laugh. Mm-hmm. Lo- like, I think that's where, you know, my family always loved to laugh as a unit. Like, we were always, we were we were listening to stand-up comedy tapes in the car in on cassettes. Like, my family was very fun and very into gift giving. Like, Christmas, we all, ga- we gave, we had a very small family unit, but we all gave, even as a young kid, I remember, like, wanting to give, like, making something for my mom as a gift, you know? I thought everybody did this. Like, I, when, when I grew older and had, like, best friends, like, I was like, you know, Christmas time, give gifts. Like, that's – and not and sometimes they were kind of like, oh, you got me a gift. You know, I was like, but no, I love you. It's Christmas, you know? Like, here's a gift. I thought of you. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, yeah. there isn't. And it was And it was just one of the ways that my family expressed that. Yes. And it was literally – it was truly – until recently, where I was kind of, um, my family expanded. So my cousin got married and we were, we would talk about this kind of thing where our family was very into gift giving and it's not, it wasn't a mercenary thing. It was more of a thought, a thought thing. The most thoughtful gift I've ever gotten from my family at Christmas time was a series of books from my aunt that were relate when I was in college was related to drama it was a bunch of plays and it was like a Shakespeare lexicon and it was cool and I and I've gotten much more expensive gifts from my family and 
this wasn't very it was it wasn't expensive it wasn't about that it was like the thought that went behind it yeah so it's not about money it's about the thought that goes into the actual physical thing that like I think you might enjoy this yeah having done a little bit of that quiz and like talking to you about it and now I'm like I need to read that book because it was it to me it's like a given like if you love someone you give them a gift you if you see something they might like you because not, not that's a, your right, love right. language, girl. And it's so assumed. And I it's not it. everyone's. That's like my family. It should be. Gifts are fun. <laughs> my, my family gives very practical gifts, you know, like for Christmas one Socks. year. Well, no. It's <laughs> one year my parents came over and they gave me like 10 boxes. I was like, what are these little square boxes? And I open it up and it's light bulbs. My, I'm like, light bulbs? My dad's like, yeah, your place is like an effing cave in here. I can't see anything. I dated a guy. Like, they, gave I, me, they give me what they want. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I dated a guy right out of college when I was in Manhattan and his family like for Christmas gave him like a toothbrush and toothpaste. <laughs> and I was floored. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with them? <laughs> <laughs> like, why would they... Right. who enjoys a toothbrush like don't you have a toothbrush you have a toothbrush right. well, ask me what my graduation gift was what was it electric razor <laughs> <laughs> bounce you go wow <laughs> what? was like what <laughs> everybody else is like having a raging party right now my dad's like yep you can shave your legs <laughs> like, or that sounds weird my dad telling me that but yeah well, but they thought you might like it, right? I, and, yeah. that, and that's the it's point. It's a Lady Remington. Those weren't oh. cheap. Those were painful. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I thought they, th- they had some fun with that. <laughs> like, yeah, let's see how that works out for her. You know, I mean, I remember when my brother and his wife got married, and he gave her a lawnmower for her birthday. <laughs> I was like, what? Some people are all about the practicality. But yeah. they're still married, and I'm not. So, and, Well, that's how they show Maybe love. she really yeah. likes to mow the lawn. Maybe you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Here's the, here's the joke for me is that I, Mike, <laughs> Mike gave me for Valentine's one day this book. I think I've mentioned it on Yes, the I remember this oh, story. this freaking book. Uh, the, the Magical Art of Tidying Up. I have it. For oh, Valentine's it. Day. <laughs> I wanted to rip his heart out. <laughs> Like, where's the roses? When I was, where in, are the jewels? When I was in high school, my, my parents gave he me. He just wants you to clean the house. He's like, I just want. I know. So I want to go back to your story because I love our sidetracks, but I want to hear more about your life. And so you got your first divorce, and that was devastating. And then you got into a new relationship, and then what happened? And then we divorced. No, we <laughs> married. <laughs> Oh yeah, that part. And how long? How long did you date? And and then how long did you till you got married? About the same. Um, a year. A year and a half. Year, two years. We were dating, and then yeah, about a year and a half, and then we got married. I was twenty-seven. And okay, so some time passed. So first divorce happened when you were twenty-two. Oh, twenty-five. So I was I was tw- right before I turned twenty-three. So I was twenty-two when we married, and then we divorced in. Uh, our divorce was final in November of ninety-five almost 96 and remarried in 97 and divorced in 99 so you know and we got married and we remodeled his house and did all this stuff and did all the couples things you're still in vegas at this time yeah we're still in vegas and yeah all my exes how did i not know you were in in vegas all this time yeah i was there for 16 years okay and so we did that that whole thing Sold his house, built a new beautiful home, put in a pool, and then six months later, I was out. Wow. Yeah. And how did you feel the second time? You know, 
the second time, it's like, I know what to do. I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> I have planned. Pull the ripcord. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, was, I was crushed. And at the same time, I was determined that this was not the end of me. Yeah. So I felt a different strength that I didn't have the first time around, for sure. And I knew at this point I had to make some serious changes in my life. So I, you know, had a plan. I got my own place. I moved out. I became very independent. Mm-hmm. Um, Had I, you not been independent up to this point because you were kind of relying on someone I, else? No, I felt like I was independent all along, but I guess I had, I felt a new strength, mm-hmm. I guess is a better way to think about it. I felt the new strength. Like if I can get through this, I can get through anything. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I remember you know, it was the night that I was laying there in the fetal position crying, like going, what, how did I end up here type thing? And realizing like I was going to make a change. This was going to be different. I'm going to start saying yes to everything. But I vowed to myself at that time that no matter what I did in life, I wasn't going to grow old with nine cats. Nothing against (laughs) cat people. I'm allergic. But I didn't want to be that old, bitter person and be hateful of men or be hateful of my experience that I would learn from it and I would move on. And make it the best thing that ever happened to me. And I made, I just made myself this weird promise that that's what I was going to do. And that's what I set out to do. And my brothers were just like, whatever you do, can you just date? Like, just go, <laughs> just date. Like, that's my advice for my brothers. It's like, just say no. If they ask you, you don't have to marry everybody. Just date. Enjoy it. Live life. And that's what I did for, for many, many years. And, um... and now I'm an old woman. <laughs> well, you don't look like an old woman. You don't sound like an old woman. No. Um, Benjamin Button. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you like about your reflecting back on your lessons that you've learned. And I know that therapeutically you are healing and have healed yourself through comedy. And I think that's amazing. But like when you said earlier, like, okay, I didn't trust him. Was there a part of you that didn't trust yourself, like what emotional lessons did you get that you have now transformed from these experiences? Well, that's changed over the years several times. Every couple of years I look back at it and I think differently about the experience. Like in my mind, I thought I didn't trust my decisions and choosing men. Like my picker is broke. You've heard people say that, right? (laughs) I have a broken picker. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, I just have a bad choice in men. And yeah, that which could I, be part of it. Which I think but, is silly because you pick different people for different reasons yeah. at different times in your life. Yes, exactly. At different levels of maturity. And so for a long time, I thought, well, maybe my picker's broke and I just am not following my instincts like I should. And I'm, you know, looking for the wrong qualities and blah, blah, blah. And then fast forward and I think, you know, I'm kind of over that. And I get into a relationship thinking this is completely different. And this is, you know, I start... M- explaining to myself why this is different and he's doing he's this way and he's not like the others and he's right. this right well that's all fine and dandy and I know that this person wasn't the right choice for me and this is this is years later this is just you know in the past five years so I'm in a relationship with somebody and it blows up in my face like no other completely wiped me out and really brought me down quite a few notches like this is the lowest I've ever been And I was like, how did I end up here? Mm -hmm. And through this, I've really taken time to do some work that I hadn't done all these years. You know, I thought I had, but 
Yep, I know that feeling. I really hadn't. <laughs> um, and I, I looked at it in a whole new way to the point where it's not just about who I'm picking or choices I've made. It's about the behaviors that I've had, the behaviors that I've developed over a lifetime, behaviors that I learned at a young age and kept continuing on with no matter what different person I was with. Well, that's the problem. There's a common denominator, you know. I'm doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, even though it's with different people. The definition of insanity. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and you know, when people say, oh, she's been married a few times, well, look at the common denominator. I mean, it seems cliche or the obvious. And I thought it was obvious a long time ago, like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm the same person and I make these changes and it's just my choices. But it's not. It's actually how I behave, how I react to things, how I, yeah. how I talk to people how I behave in any sort of situation or experience. And I realized they just weren't serving me well anymore. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is you grow up and you spend a lifetime and decades of doing these things. I don't know any different. So now I'm super self-aware. And now I'm like, but what do I replace these behaviors with? What's the healthy behavior that I should have? That's the bigger question. Mm -hmm. And that's been something I've been working really hard on is to it's like opposite day you know <laughs> well this is what I would normally do let's back up and let's try something completely different instead and that actually has been working for me and having conversations with people who are in healthy relationships and people who do have a lot of experience with that and that's helped me tremendously so you keep calling him the boyfriend. Yes. So are you in a healthy relationship now? I am. I'm in probably <laughs> the healthiest relationship that I, I think I've ever had. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like eating so, vegetables, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's good for you. And you feel good in the morning after you eat, you know, healthy mm -hmm. for a few days. And you wake up and like your face is glowing and your hair is shining. Why do you think it's weird? Um. It's weird for me because it's it's like wearing a new pair of shoes and you have to break them in or a new outfit or clothes, you know, it's like getting a new haircut and looking in the mirror and not recognizing yourself anymore. But I notice the difference. I'm very aware of this isn't my norm. This is my new norm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's mm -hmm. not my, you know, my old ways is there's drama or there's, you know, excitement or you know where you hear a lot of girls saying oh I go for the bad boys and mm -hmm. you know there's this excitement and there's this risk taking and and it's like thank god it's not like waking up and jumping off a building wondering where <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> land every day mm -hmm. um, it's nice to kind of have that stability and know that I'm speaking to a, a rational and sane person on a everyday level and the fact that I'm able to communicate better and I'm able to never go to bed angry that's the one thing that people would always say when you get married I know never go to bed how angry. do you do that if you <laughs> get angry late at night what are you supposed to do you resolve it immediately that doesn't happen you say I love yeah. you I'm gonna have a rice cake <laughs> <laughs> but I have gone to bed angry oh that's not good why that's not good because you build resentment that way if you sleep on it you and, and spiritually you you're fighting all night long oh. like you've never gone to bed angry oh i have i'm just saying it's not healthy oh okay <laughs> no it's, it's definitely not healthy and i and now like the boyfriend and i if we if we are frustrated or something we will instantly be like hey let's step back a second yeah 
I have to say this. So hear me on how I feel right now. And I'm not saying that you're wrong or I'm right or anything like that. But I have to tell you how I felt just now. I actually respect that so much that we can have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Because if it's resolved instantly, there's no time to be angry and furious and so mad that I'm laying awake all night fuming and stuff like that. It just it's like, oh, we hit a bump. Let's check the car out now and kick some tires around, then get back in and drive on. Absolutely. And I would say I've had those moments too, where the choice is either to go to bed angry or to resolve it. And in the moment where you're like, I'm going to express my feelings and you or the other person is still angry, you have to say, I fucking love you. We're going to resolve this when we can. Doesn't have to be right now. We're disagreeing, but I love you. And that's all that matters. And then you can go to bed. Doesn't mean that you solve world peace in your relationship in that moment. It just means you solve peace for that moment so everyone can sleep peacefully and not wake up angry and not sleep on that anger and hold that anger. Our sleep is so important. And they say, like, if you sleep next to someone, you're, I don't know, I mean, someone can correct me here, but like spiritually, your entities, your spirit, your souls are intertwined at that moment, at that night. So you will be fighting psychic battles all night long, frustrated with each other. Don't we want to be at peace and in love with that person sleeping next to us? God, yeah. I was going to say when you were like, I have this healthy relationship with this person, I was like, and don't you just have this healthy relationship with yourself? Yeah. It's getting so much better. It's really, it's really awesome. I feel really good about the time I spend by myself. In which I always have, but it's different now in the sense as before when I was by myself, I would be doing stuff. I would be doing projects. I would be creating stuff. I would be doing this and doing that. And now... What do you mean? We never do that. Right? <laughs> what? Like I don't have to fill and pack every single hour with a million to-dos. Mm-hmm. Now I found out that I can just be and I can just relax. You know, if my to-do list will still be there. I think a good part of that is that I've learned these lessons Mm -hmm. in in a really hard, crappy way that I had no other choice. There's good that has come out of the really bad. Of course. And and I kept, you know, I essentially, if I look back now, I I essentially made the same mistakes. I, I did the same things over and over and over again with different people, painting them a different color, painting the picture this way, or maybe turning it horizontal, or maybe doing it, you know, in this state or that state. But it was the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm not doing that anymore. And it feels really good. And it's there's growing pains because there are some days where I'm just frustrated and I just want to crawl out of my skin and be like, who are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, because, you know, living in New York for so many years, too, it's kind of easy to be crazy and not be noticed. What do you mean? Hollywood, too. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it is by far the healthiest relationship I have. And the other thing is I know that we both actively work on that every single day. Mm-hmm. We go out of our way to work on it. And what made you decide to start your podcast? It's actually the boyfriend's idea. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because he knew I had started uh, this business. In fact, like, I don't know, probably the second or third week that we were dating He's like, I really love this whole idea that you're doing, that you want to take your improv and marry it to your divorces and stuff like that. And he goes, you should really have a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I should. Great idea, dude. You know, (laughs) thanks for telling me what to do. (laughs) And I said, I don't know if you've ever seen me with technical things, but it's, it's ugly. And he goes, that's my thing, though. That's what I do. I 
I was in a band and I have all the audio stuff. And I'm like, well, podcast isn't a band. And I was just like, yeah, whatever. And we kept talking about it and talking about it. And now the boyfriend and I are two completely different people. Like we're like night and day. He's mm-hmm. a scientist mm-hmm. and engineer and he's very linear. And, you know, he always looks at me and he's like, I don't know what goes on in that brain. I'm like, it's a parade. <laughs> <laughs> there's glitter. There's a band. With there's bears. symbols. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just two completely different people. And, and he, but he said, well, I, if you do this podcast, I want to I want to do all your sound and everything for you because I have everything. And the next thing you know, he's like ordering extra mics. I'm like, I thought you had sound. He's like, yeah, but I wanted to buy more. Aww, <laughs> like, Whatever. So awesome. he put, you know, everything together and he loves putting the music together and being that part of it. And so will you ever get married again? Of course. Can't keep a girl down. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> of course I would. No, I like to hear that. Cause I didn't of, know that. I didn't know that. You hear a lot of people that one or two divorces are like, I'm not doing this again. No, I would definitely do it again. All I ask is please not on Valentine's Day. <laughs> because so my first my first husband and I got engaged on Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. And my second husband and I got married the day after. But, you know, that was a thing. I was like, seriously, you realize I was engaged on this day. He's like, because he wanted to get married on Valentine's. And I was like, no, absolutely not. So <laughs> what do you think? Um, this is a loaded question. You ready? Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you think it takes to have a happy marriage? Um, Ooh. Mm, I know. I think it, it takes really good communication. Yeah. I agree. Really, really solid communication to be the ability to be open to talk and a great sense of humor. Yes. I would agree there. True that. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing with with humor is it releases such stress and tension in a a situation. That's how our bodies release. We release through exercise. We release through laughter. We release release through tears. Mm -hmm. We release through talking Mm -hmm. and sex. So humor heals. Comedy heals. Laughter heals. So you lead these workshops. So what advice would you give to someone who's maybe going through a divorce right now and, you know, they're devastated, they're sad, they're angry, they don't know where where to turn? Well, first know you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You know, um, reach out, not necessarily to a priest. (laughs) As we've discovered, they're not the most compassionate and warm comfort. Um, I mean, you can, of course. I would never say turn away from your church because by all means you might have a really good relationship. Yeah, if you have someone in your life already. Yeah, But, but know that you're not alone and that it does get better. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does get better. Life goes on. Life goes it's on. It's like mourning. A, it's a mourning a loss. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It's grief. You're yeah. you are losing somebody that didn't necessarily pass, but you are definitely losing something. Yeah. And there is a whole transformation of grief that you have to go through, and it takes time. And eventually, you'll be able to laugh again. Mm-hmm. And it ta- that laughing about it takes practice, and maybe you know going back to the affirmation questions that we know work. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, what's funny about this? <laughs> show That's me, a good one. Well, yeah. Show me the humor. Show me a sign that I can find some something to laugh about again. Yeah. And and sometimes it's watching movies. Yeah. And finding movies that connect with you and make you laugh, make you cry, and get the feelings out because it's certainly not good to bottle them up because they're going to come out some way. That's so you know? true. And if they're going to come out some way, sometimes it's easier to find a way to laugh about it than to cry about it in a lot of situations. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So where can everyone find you online, follow you, join a workshop, listen to your podcast? 
Yeah, thanks. Um, you can find me at lifelaughterdivorce.com and laughter is spelled L-A-F-T-E-R. Because it's like after. After. after laughter. I love it. Thanks. And if you mess up and di- type in life, laughter, divorce, I think it also comes to me too. <laughs> <laughs> Good girl. Redirect that yep. shit. <laughs> but, but yeah, just come to the website. Everything's on the website. Um, and my new cl- classes will be posted. Um, they should be coming up probably end of May. I'll post them and they'll be in June. And there'll be stuff here in LA area. Things on the web. And the podcast every week. Where can we see your stand-up? As I'm getting all the stuff prepared, because I have other good secrets in the works. Uh, yeah. My stand-up is uh, taking a back seat for a little while. Okay. And I am getting a bunch of stuff launched through Life, Laughter, Divorce this summer. And then in the fall, I will be regrouping and taking some new material, hopefully, out there. Can't yeah. wait. On so. the road. You will get it out there soon, but it's been busy and awesome, so there's a lot of good stuff coming. Can't wait to find out more. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Thanks for this line. Oh, you're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> for all the show notes from today's show, go to foodhealsnation.com. Also at foodhealsnation.com, you'll find all our discount codes. Hey, Allie, are you social? I'm social. Let's talk on social. Okay. Make sure to join our Food Heals Nation Facebook group at foodhealsgroup.com where you can connect with other Food Heals listeners, ask questions, add value, and of course, we've got Tribe Building Tuesday to help you build your business and your personal relationships, and we've got Self Promotion Saturday where you can post your links to your business, your blog, your recipes, your healing story, anything you want. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash foodhealsnation. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at foodhealsnation. And you can follow my personal adventures at Allison Melody TV. For all the show notes, go to foodhealsnation.com. See you next time, Food Heals Nation. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately.